It's the third episode of the Future Hope podcast, and it's a watershed moment here in the studio today. Uh, we're looking to do something a bit different today. I'm going to be joined by our first external guest, Richard McCormick. Richard is a restaurateur, a chef, and a food stylist, whose work can most prominently be sensed through restaurants such as Sandro, The Cock, and Holiday, all based here in Helsinki. He's always looking to bring something new and novel to the table, and as far as dining is concerned, as we find out today, it's not only about the food. Uh, along with him, joining me is my colleague Anni Kravi. Anni has been working together with Richard as a food stylist and blogger on several menus and books. Together with Richard, she opened Dayton Kale, a healthy food brand and establishment in December 2016, also here in Helsinki. As you might guess, in today's episode we discuss the ins and outs of the restaurant business and just how comparable a successful restaurant is to a brand or a product. Just to kick things off, I'd like to hear about both of your backgrounds and how you ended up doing what you're doing today. And, uh, well, yeah, everything that's related to to where you are, where you are now and what you're doing now. You want to go first? Um, I think the way it started was probably when I was 14, 15. I was uh, kind of, by mistake, very, very interested in in baking, which is quite surprising because now I I don't actually like sweets. Mm -hmm. So so it started by by baking pies and cakes and and just doing things at home and, and trying to, like, uh, make my mom happy so I could do more fun stuff. So, so, the, so it became like a little bit of a, a mistake that I started to like bake. And then eventually, I think when I was 18, 17, 18, I, 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 I was interested in being a chef and, and went to chef school when I was around 21 and things. So it was kind of just happened by mistake. But now, it, now it's obviously it's my life and it's something that I enjoy doing. I, I grew up in Asia right. and traveled around the world. So there's a lot of influence from, from my travel and my childhood. Um, I would say, I don't know, that's kind of like what's up to date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What about your, yourself, Andy? Um, yeah, I was kind of also always into like you know, making salads at home, baking, cooking some things, helping my, helping out my mom when I was a kid. Also, I was always, like, super active. Like, I was doing, like, gymnastics, dance, ballet, uh, skiing, like, all kinds of sports, and that le- led to kind of a really healthy lifestyle. Mm. And obviously food was related to that. So, like, my relationship to food kind of came through the healthy lifestyle. And also through the visuality. So I loved photographing, drawing, painting, that stuff. And then eventually, so I never studied cooking or went to chef school or anything, or I'm not a chef. But I kind of, at some point, I started taking photos of pretty food. And then it evolved into something that I kind of started as my own personal blog. But then it led to some kind of like different types of jobs or eventually opening my own restaurant, making a book and things like that. Yeah. I mean, Andy mentions like the visuality of food and maybe something that's not immediately related to taste. Did you have something when you were, I don't know, studying or practicing to be a chef that kind of influenced you outside of food and taste I think, itself? I think uh, aesthetics and, and everything is very important to to definitely what, what, what we're doing nowadays. And, and actually, that's how me and Ani met. I, sure. I, I, I found her from her, her blog or her Instagram. Mm. And right away, I, I kind of thought that, okay, this is pro- probably the future, and this and this is something that I need to get into as well, and and we need to kind of rethink what we're doing in the restaurant industry because I would say that the the chef or the cooking world at that time was it maybe two and a half three years ago when we first yeah met? around like three three years ago. almost four yeah. maybe yeah so then uh, I think that um, 
at that time there wasn't any vegetarian or vegan stuff within in my restaurant or very little yeah. and uh, and uh, I was fascinated by what could be done with the vegan food and and, and using uh, non-dairy and perhaps it was the I think it was yeah, I remember it was so funny when we met because I was studying in university like business and it was totally not related to food mm-hmm. at all. And then it was like really intriguing to me to meet Richard and like learn all these things about the restaurant business because I loved like cooking and mm-hmm. food so much. And then I was like super inspired. I already loved his restaurants, but it was like a fun thing to find out that we actually had really similar ideas about mm. like mm. all kinds of things like the visuality mm. and like flavor profiles mm. and mm. we kind of matched really well and then yeah I think it was like me teaching you how to do something without like eggs yeah. using yeah. like flax seeds yeah, instead yeah. or chia mm. seeds and you were yeah. like I've never done this I'm like what like I mm. I would have no idea like how to make this with actual eggs yeah. Yeah. so it was like a yeah cool kind of it was a very nice it was a nice nice learning process for me because it opens up a lot of doors as a chef when you can um um instead of using eggs or using cream or or using um other kind of dairy products you can start to use nuts and other 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 kind of ingredients it opens up a bunch of new doors as a chef of of what is the possibilities because i think a lot of you learn a certain way in school and it's very it's very kind of regimented yes you need to do it this way sure and then and then when you can open new doors it's kind of like in a in a video game where you can reach a new level yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. you get a new level and you kind yeah. of go and open this door sure. and you find this new new treasure sure. so that was kind of what was quite exciting and, and intriguing for me um, I, th- I think originally we were supposed to make uh, make some kind of uh, salad jar. Yeah, or we were we were <laughs> supposed to make like these rainbows, Rainbow like jars. layer Rainbow. layer salad jars. Yes. Um, it never happened. We've never done but it. But then like, <laughs> but we we did like a lot of other good yeah. things. Like you were asking me to be a stylist in your book, exactly, and yeah. that's like kind yeah, of we, our first we did project. Three books together. Yeah. So that was kind of the first step that, that you ventured into the we more like... We did four books, books, by the way. Yeah, I, did, I helped her yeah. with her book and then she helped me with my three books. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was the first kind of more business-oriented thing you did together or was there something prior to... We did also the for the cock restaurant. Um, yeah. we, we She helped a bit with the, our breakfast. Um, we had the smoothie bowls there, and 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 uh, is Cock the first restaurant that you established here in Helsinki? No, or definitely not. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Shanghai Cowboy was the first one I did on sure. my own, and that was I think I don't know six years ago. I want to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's funny. And that's that, since been sold on, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. that's that was. Uh, I, I was uh, running it for two and a half years, and then eventually it was uh, a division of partnerships, and then eventually sold on. Sure. So I'm not involved in that concept sure. anymore. Sure. And since then, what what was after that? Um, and after that, uh, I opened up the Sandros in Kaleo yeah. first, and then in Eira. Yeah. And I actually had one of my worst DJing experiences ever at Sandro, yes. at Kaleo, but that was completely down to my own, <laughs> my own uh, mishaps <laughs> and nothing to do with uh, <laughs> with anything there. But yes. yeah, go on. After Sandro, um, then then came the cock, and and then Holiday, and actually before that, me and Ani opened up Date and Kale together. So, yeah, so there's been a lot of things going on simultaneously. Yeah. And, and that Dating Kale was on his first. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It was kind of like, or like how we thought about it, like afterwards was that it's kind of like my baby with Richard's like support. Because <laughs> yeah. it's kind mm. of, I mean, it's our concept, but it looks a little bit more like me. Yes. Well. Right. Yeah. And right. he obviously knows like a lot of things that I have no idea about. So it's been like a good 
really yeah. good learning sure, sure. thing for me. What um, I guess this this is directed to both of you, and I think we touched on it already in, in the case of Anni, but what's something that you considered... How how did you approach standing out when you first opened up your own restaurant and making it appealing to, to consumers and to customers? I think everything was about uh, the way, the look and feel. Uh, I would say when it comes to the visual pr- presentation yeah, of food and also the and interior, everything was... All the small details that like when you go to like a... I'm not talking about research restaurants now, but like if you go to a restaurant, normally there's like these details that you notice and you're like, why did they not that make that properly or something mm-hmm. like that? So kind of so that like every little detail has been thought out. And, and custom made in a way. Yeah. Everything, everything's been customized for, for, for dating kale. Sure. And also like mm, the thing that like obviously people need to love the food, but they also need to want to come there because of the visual side yeah. and they want to it's really important that people want to take photos and share them and like relate to the concept and mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. then I mean you said like just in terms of the ingredients and food as well like this is something that was missing at least from the local scene in Helsinki there really wasn't a place or maybe there were but not ones that appreciate maybe aesthetics or yeah not really because like always like we've been both traveling a lot obviously mm-hmm. Richard more because he's older but <laughs> sorry uh I always felt when I was like traveling somewhere that there's all these like amazing places with exactly the type of food that I love eating and making at home but when I came back to Helsinki I was like I don't really feel like eating out I just want to make my own food because there's like nothing easily available I mean there's like vegetarian places but then they have a different vibe yeah and like mm-hmm. it was about like combining the certain type of food with a vibe that's not like too directed to only vegetarian or vegan people mm. sure. i think sure. so kind of making making the plant-based food for everyone yeah and the f- i think the food also is um almost completely organic and yeah. and then if you think about the the salts and the sh- and the and the um oils and the fats and all those things that we use they're all top quality and and mm. also the a lot of vegetarian places um, cook, uh, overcook everything, mm-hmm. and it becomes uh, maybe not so interesting in the palate in the way that there's no textures and these kind of things. So I think that this date and kale was maybe kind of pushing the boundary of, of cooking techniques as well. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and also because the recipes were created, like, I mean, like I said, I never went to chef school. I had no idea how to make recipes for restaurant use and then I was also like obviously asking Richard a lot like okay like how does this actually work in a professional kitchen because I was used to making a recipe for one person to be made at home Mm -hmm. with like whatever ingredients I have in hand and then like adapting that type of food to a restaurant environment was like a yeah. Cool thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we touched on it, and you mentioned like that, but you both have traveled a lot. And Richard, you're not originally from here, no. correct? Um, my mom's Swedish, and my dad's American. Right. Do you think that, or I'm sure that had some effect on like kind of the mm-hmm. stuff that you enjoyed eating as a kid, and surely as you mm-hmm. grew up, that became or you became maybe more and more aware of the things you brought yeah. to the table that were perhaps different. But once you moved mm-hmm. here, and you started your own restaurants, was there something? that you saw that you were bringing to the table that no one else was? I think that everything you learn and everything you see and experience will, of course, affect what you deliver and what you what's the final output of the product. Mm. So I would say in everything that I do, it's it's based on what I've seen. And, and somehow in, 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 your, in your head, you have this like 
idea of what food should be like. Um, I don't I don't like to make concepts in that way, and I don't want to kind of um, let's say put boundaries on on what a kitchen should be like. Mm. But if I feel like um, adding parmesan to my pasta or ginger. Then I'll do it because just because I think that that flavor could could work in that dish, and I'm not going to follow a classic Italian recipe or mm-hmm. or that sort of dish. I'm I'm going to play around, and I think if it works together, it works. So right. I think when you think about a classic chef or of what he's taught or what he's learned, I, I don't follow in that way any kind of sure. rules. I, I I let everything come in and try to create these flavor profiles based on on yeah. what I've I've experienced in my life. How has that been? received here like going like maybe not following the traditional abc pattern of an italian pasta should you know i mean i I think that you're always going to have that five or ten percent that says oh that's not how you do it you don't you don't put parmesan in a seafood pasta and Mm. i'm like it's true you don't but Mm. when you know the rules you can break the rules and i think that you can have fun breaking the rules i think that's uh, what keeps the food interesting like i mean Mm. otherwise you're just like i mean you can go to any restaurant yeah yeah, and I think that Parmesan, mm. for example, makes things taste better. I, sure. I mean, that's that, uh, and yeah, I yeah. think ninety percent of the people actually agree with me. Sure. Otherwise, the restaurants wouldn't be wouldn't be doing so well. Yeah, yeah. So I, th- I think that, you, of course, you need to play a little. You need to think a little bit what you're going to play around with. Uh, but I think if it works, then why not? You don't need to listen to some some ancient rule about what is and what is not allowed. Sure. I think if if you can do something, then then go for it. Yeah, of course. And I think food is also supposed to be like inspiring and. Something that people, I mean, it's also a way to surprise people and inspire people. It's not just that, mm-hmm. okay, I need to eat something because I'm going to need to keep up doing something for the next five hours. Yeah, it's yeah. also like food is like a form of art kind of yeah. also. But maybe, I mean, if we talk, talk, if we think about this in terms of like what the brand, what the brand of is of both of your both of your places and your joint place and, and and so forth and the food that you serve i mean you just mentioned this kind of not going along the conformist traditionalist mm-hmm. route of parmesan only goes mm-hmm. on x y and z but mm-hmm. you know maybe across the palate and on different on different foods and different uh on different meals maybe just in general an open question what's what is the importance of of branding and of that kind of specific association that people make to your food or to your restaurants and how how is that communicated what do people appreciate as in terms of like uh, the sandro brand for example do you know or do you is that important mm-hmm. to you i, th- I think it, for sandro it's uh, important for instance uh, we started we were probably the first one starting with the gluten-free products mm-hmm. uh, way back in the day we started breaking our own gluten-free bread right and that was uh, i i think if you if we go back a bit we we changed uh we changed kind of the thinking of a restaurateur, uh, where as a restaurateur often created a concept or a, or a, a, a restaurant or a brand that they believed the customers wanted, right. and and but it was very chef or 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 owner orientated. And I think what we did is we switched it around and said, okay, the consumers are actually, this is the restaurant for the consumers. Right. It's for the customers. And let's see what exactly it is that consumers or customers want. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden you, have, you, you find yourself creating a, a maybe a flexible business model right. where you're able to adapt and able to change very quickly. Whereas uh, if you create a concept and you brand and you build everything around this perfect concept, 
you're kind of stuck. Sure. You can't really, sure. you can't say that, okay, mm-hmm. hey, they want to have a, a dairy-free uh, almond milk, and then right. all of a sudden you got to start baking everything with uh, almond milk and not using butter, you know? So, yeah, yeah. so basically what we did, um, I think it was after the first six months, when we realized we're not going to be a bar, because we thought we were going to be this a bar. This is specifically Sandro? This is specifically yeah. Sandro. Yeah, we, yeah. we were opening as a bar sure. with a few snacks, sure. and then we slowly realized that, okay, there's there's restaurants missing in Kaleo. We need to change what we're doing and, and turn it into a restaurant. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we kind of tore everything out and said, okay, let's let's start seeing what's going on and what what we need to do. Yeah. Is it the is the vegetarian brunch? And all of a sudden that became a big hit. And, and the br- was that immediately an immediate success? Like, um, was that clearly uh, the right no, thing to uh, do? No, first we started with the brunch, and I think right away our brunch became a hit. Right. And and we had so many so many options, and we created for many customer segments. We right. weren't we weren't stuck on a niche. Right. And we kind of st- slowly developed that we had, you know, five or six customer segments coming into the restaurant, and they all all were coming because we were supplying a certain need. Sure. And what about on the um, Dayton Kale? How have you? How, how have you? How has that come across there? <laughs> we have pretty much like female-oriented customer base, but we do have like all kinds of people. I mean, it's not only like vegans, vegetarians, although the menu is like strictly plant-based, gluten-free and But that's also to, to do with, with the trend that's going yeah. on or the change that's going in the whole eating and dining out habits and and what the way people are thinking, which is why I was interested in this project to, to mm. begin with, is because I see that the customers are changing the way they think about food, whereas mm. a, a, a businessman will come and say that, hey, I eat meat four or five times a week, but I want to eat a, a vegan br- a vegan lunch. Yeah. And yeah, this, is, this exactly. is what's happening now more and more. So I would say that it's a little bit different, but it, it actually, it, it's the change in, in people's habits that's happening right now. Yeah. Has there, what about the perception kind of the brand of being vegan or vegetarian? Have you re- recognized a shift over the last 10 years happening in that? Is it something that people still... I wouldn't say pride themselves on, but but really bring out when it comes when the you know topic of food comes about, or has there been a, sh- a shift shift in that as well? I mean, sure. I've, I've been super careful with using the word vegan mm-hmm. in the first place for the, for any marketing. I prefer plant based because mm-hmm. although the food is vegan, I think vegan has still like a even a little bit negative connotation, mm-hmm. and it's like excluding. I mean. I don't know. I don't want to scare anyone away either. Mm. That's why I'm not like pushing the word that much because like I see all the other like vegan places going forward with their marketing almost basically only with the word vegan. And that's where they base everything. I'm trying to kind of more emphasize the healthiness and the like organic ingredients and the cleanliness and no additives and then it also kind of happens to be vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it's still kind of ingredients first, but then just not having the label of being a being a vegan based, like so, solely serving vegan food. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to serve like really fresh food made out of real ingredients, no additives or no bad stuff added. And I think that's maybe what's coming to the forefront in consumer product as well, not only through restaurant meals and restaurant menus, but definitely mm. through through more like consumer. consumer yeah, and the consumers well. are all the time coming becoming more aware because they get all these like um, sensitivities, like for gluten, for dairy, for many things, like also like non-food related, like to certain types of cosmetics or like there's all these like chemicals and poisons around in the like normal products today that like more and more customers start 
actually to pay attention to what they what they eat, like what kind of like cleaning products they use or like mm-hmm. cosmetics or clothing or whatever. So it's kind of it's not only about food, it's the whole kind of shift in Lifestyle like everything. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um what what about in, in your in your places, Richard, have have you seen the change in the you I mean you mentioned these several customer segments, for example, that started visiting the first brunches that you mm-hmm. guys were holding. Has that changed? Have has the, have those segments increased? Have they become different? I I think when it comes to Sandro as as a brand, I think it's it's kind of stabilized. It there hasn't been like a any change, serious changes. We still have a, a very diverse uh, customer group, sure. and uh, and I, it will continue to be that way. Of course, we're opening more, and we we have now four locations. Okay. So uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, everything has been going quite well, and we're we're quite happy. Of course, uh, I think at times you need to re re maybe reinvent yourself a little bit and that's mm-hmm. kind of the next process that's going through my head is how do you do that what is that process like can you open that up a bit it could take a year or so but i mean in the back of my head i know that okay there's many restaurants now in helsinki that are doing a very similar sandro brunch and then i see that okay we're not um we're not now we're not uh, the only ones which means that we need to start thinking what is the next trend or what yeah, is the yeah. next thing how are we going to diverse differentiate ourselves from exactly. from the other restaurants sure so this is maybe now that's been going through the last six months of course i'm busy opening other restaurants and yeah. keeping and upkeeping the other the other existing locations mm-hmm. so but I, but slowly slowly you start to say take little information and think this and then you start saying okay this might be the future sandro or this might be the future sandro brand or, or, yeah, the, yeah. or the menu mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so this is something now that i'm thinking about yeah, and, and of course, like you mentioned, it, it's a longer process. It's not something that happens overnight. No, as no. in like a startup, you know, we need to pivot. Okay, now we're going to do this completely other thing. No. But you have to stay loyal to your mm. already existing yeah. customers and mm. think about how you can yeah. how you can change that. Um, do people make a connection between, for example, uh, the Cock and Sandro? Is there, do people... Yeah, people definitely know because um, you can hear the customers speaking speaking on the tables mm-hmm. when I walk by that people are saying, oh, this restaurant are also done the same chef as, as Sandro and Cock and Holiday. So, so people know. Yeah. I would say easily 80, 90% are aware of where they're going and why they're going there. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a certain vibe in all your restaurants. Yeah. And it's that's like different from any other restaurants, <clears throat> which is like why I love going. No, I agree. And I think it's very, it's, uh, very different. Uh, yeah. To all the whole majority of the places in Helsinki, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's and it's not only about the food. I would say the I food agree. is important. Yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, but um, more, there's actually things that I don't want to say more important, but there are other things that are actually. The, what customers feel and, and what's you know when you walk into a restaurant how you're greeted how how the how the the staff or how the how the team is is, is welcoming you and and then the, what you see around you and I think that there's a lot of other things in the restaurant that are are important rather Definitely. than just the menu people people maybe um, judge the restaurant on the menu or on the food and and that's maybe how they can actually say that the f- the food is good the restaurant is good but m- maybe they didn't realize that it's the lighting it's the it's the music it's the Staff. smiles the you're car, selling yeah. the experience yeah. and not absolutely. just the menu absolutely like for example on friday i was at cock having a few drinks with a friend of mine from new york uh, and we both appreciated the fact that the staff spoke English, yeah. simply. And mm-hmm. I know that's a thing in yeah. all your. Is it? It yeah. is in all your places. I mean, it, I, it's it's not our it's not our strategy. But um, to be honest, um, somehow, 
uh, a lot of the Finnish girls bring back international guys, and somehow mm-hmm. they all know to come to me, which is great <laughs> because I think that you you get a lot of diversity, and sure. I think that's exciting. Definitely. Um, there's, I, th- I think when a c- customer comes into the restaurant, they know that they're going to he- have a story. There's going to be a, a, a different language. There's going to mm-hmm. be someone serving you that has a whole a whole own experience. Yeah. And this is quite interesting for the, for the customers as well. Definitely, I agree. How how is that received? Like I know I know it's and it's. Once in a while, it always pops up in the media, for example, that Ofinair are now outsourcing their uh, staff and you can only people speak Spanish to you on a flight from Helsinki to Amsterdam or something. But like going to a restaurant here and having customers having English spoken to them, how, how has that been received? Like In general, it's been very positive. I think recently there's been a little bit of questions about it. Um, especially, I don't know. There's some. Pe- uh, I, I I think it's it's only been positive. Sure. But there are uh, there's always going to be some people that are are kind of afraid that oh the Finnish language is being lost. But mm. then again, if you look at uh, social media, it's all English. Absolutely. I mean, the world is changing more and more into English. I'm not I'm not saying mm. that or disrespecting the Finnish language or any language. I think everyone has the language is part of the culture, and that's super important to me. Yeah. I mean, my mother tongue is English, so that's part of the reason why the menus are in English and why, and also why we communicate in English. I, I mean, and also uh, we probably have 20, 30 um, different uh, co- countries uh, of, of staff working with us. And, yeah. and, and, you know, if we start thinking, there, should we speak French or should we speak German or, or what exactly language, I think it's easier to say, okay, now, now our working language is English. Yeah. And that way we can kind of create a, a good unity within the, the team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we don't have any rules that that you shouldn't learn Finnish. We encourage everyone to learn the language and to be able to at least know the basics. Yeah. But we do communicate in English. Sure. One of the most important things I feel in the restaurants is is you, you're trying to just make people smile and have a good time. Yeah. And and people often overthink the restaurant experience. But if you think that it's just actually that simple, you want you want the customers, you want your guests to have a smile, yeah. to enjoy their evening. Then, then you stop thinking too much about okay, uh, is the food going to be this? Is this? Is the drinks this? Do, are we going to serve wine in this amazing wine glass? Is that wine glass going to make them smile? No, I don't think so. I mean, of course, you can maybe have a Pinot Noir and a special Pinot Noir glass, and all of a sudden you'll have a, a better nose and mouth feel. But I think at the end of the day, you want the the, the group or the or the two customers that are on their dates or whatever it ha- is happening, you want them to leave smiling, yeah. and that is a simple truth. I think when yeah. it comes to any product. You want people to enjoy the product, definitely, and that's that's the simple thing about the restaurant is that just try to make them happy. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. A place may be known for their fantastic food, and that's fine. Mm. But if the whole other, if the rest of the experience is really dry yeah. and not exciting, well, personally, that's not a place I want to go. That, to that anyway. is what might have happened to the fine dining scene: is that the food was excellent, everything, the chefs were making excellent food, mm. but I think eventually but people were not funny, having were fun, not actually having yeah, fun, exactly. And mm. that, and that's when maybe that kind of change steered away from this fine dining to more fun dining. Well, there you go. That was that. Thanks to Richard and Anni for joining me. Loads of interesting stuff. That was covered there. Um, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. You can now follow us on Twitter. We're at wonder 2 underscores Inc. And there we'll be posting all our new podcasts as they come out. For now, have a great weekend, and you'll hear from us again next week. Bye-bye.